So if you have a Bible this morning, I want you to open it up to Exodus chapter 30 and in verse 23. Last week I started talking about the anointing, and that was really my response to what is happening in the earth with the revival at Asbury, and they've actually completed their open meetings now, but it's not stopped there. It's, it's caught on to many universities and many places. But I wanted the church and our church to have a, a very clear and correct understanding of what revival is, because it's not just a, an exciting term that we throw out. It's not something that we chase. It's, it's not this event. It's not a moment. It's, it's something significant that God is doing. And I wanted us to have a correct understanding of what it is, because really, revival is when the manifested presence of God does anything. If you remember several years back, I did a message series on Witness My Revival, and I taught our church at that time is don't wait for revival to be a big event. And I'm, one more thing, I'm sorry, as I... I, I to correct that, we have student ministry today. i got to get better at announcing that. So if you're in student ministry, you can exit those side doors and they have class today. But anyway, I was teaching our church that if you, uh, you know, are looking for some big event to call it a revival and it's a stadium gathering and then that's, that's a revival, then you're going to miss it. Because anytime God does something in your life, it's an outpouring of the Spirit. It's revival. Come on, when he, he frees you from something... You're being revived. You're, you're, you're having a, a fresh awakening to the things of God. So you can't miss what God's doing by looking for an event somewhere. I don't need to travel across the country. I'm not saying that's bad to soak in what the presence of God is doing, but I have revival all by myself in my own home because it's what God's doing in me. So I wanted us to have a clear understanding of that. So I'm going to continue on the discussion of the anointing today because a revival is whenever the presence of God becomes manifested. So there's a difference between just the presence of God and the manifested presence of God. Your Bible says that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. Okay? Two or three can gather and gossip like there's no tomorrow. All right? God's there because according to his word, where two or three are gathered, he's going to be there. There won't be any manifested presence there, any tangible anointing coming. Because you're not gathered under the right pretenses. You, you with me, somebody? So, yes, the presence of God is everywhere. There's a different presence of God that's released where two or three come together. But that is not to be confused for when the presence of God becomes the manifested presence of God, which we would call the anointing. When God's in the room and he shows up in the room. You, you with me, somebody? So, so I want us to have a clear understanding, and maybe I'll end it this week. Maybe I'll continue it. I don't know. At this point, I've just been going week by week. I usually try to plan out message series, and then they just, something happens, and God says, do this or that. So I don't know. We'll just see what happens, all right? So Exodus chapter 30, verse 23. Moreover, the word of the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, also take for yourself quality Spices. Everybody say quality spices. Now, some Bible translations say principal spices. One translation says get some of the best spices. And then it goes on in verse 24, and he lists five different kinds. And he gives the quantity of how much. And he says 500 shekels of cassia according to the shekel of the sanctuary and a uh, hen of olive oil. That actually means five quarts of olive oil. And put five ingredients into it, and it will become the anointing oil. Now, I want us to jump down to, we were just in verse 24, I want us to jump down to verse 29. Aren't you glad that you have a pastor that's just getting to the point? 
We don't got to read from 24 to 29. Let's just go to 29. All right. And you shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. Verse 31. And you should speak to the children of Israel saying, now listen, you might be thinking, well, this was back then. This was for them. This was for a different generation. This shall be a holy anointing all to me. That's God speaking throughout your generations. I want you to do this, what he's saying, from generation to generation. It shall be poured out on man's flesh, nor, oh, it shall not be, excuse me, nor shall you make any other like it. I don't want to substitute. I want it to be the real thing. According to its uh, composition, it's holy, and it shall be holy unto you. Whoever uh, compounds any other like it, whoever puts any of it to uh, an outside, which can be translated to a stranger, shall be cut off from his people. I'm going to break this verse down a little bit for us today, but I want you to understand the main point of my sermon today is that the anointing makes the difference. Everybody say that the anointing makes the difference. There's a difference between singing and anointed singing. There's a difference between preaching and anointed preaching. There's a difference between having church and having an anointed church service. The anointing makes the difference. The manifested presence of God showing up and showing out in the room makes the difference. Sometimes we talk about things like the anointing and we think, oh, it's just for people in the ministry. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just for pastors or worship leaders. This, this is for marketplace. This is for anything that you do. This is for all of God's people. Come on, this is for the architect. This is for the grocery store manager. This is for the school teacher. The anointing is for a stay-at-home mom. Come on, I get stay-at-home moms or any moms, really, but specifically those who are in the house 24-7 with those dang kids, they have an anointing. Can I get any men to say amen to your, to your ladies? Come on. They have an anointing. That anointing wears off on me real quick. So anything that you do, any gifting of God that you have that's on your life, when it becomes powerful and it becomes fruitful, when the anointing is placed on it, this isn't just for ministry. This is for life. How do we win in life? We take the gifting that God's given us, attach it to the anointing that God's provided for us, and it will cause us to excel in anything that we put our hands to do. Come on, somebody. What makes us effective is the anointing, is the manifested presence of God. It's what makes us effective. I love counseling. I promote it. I go to counseling myself. I think it's a healthy thing, especially if you're in any type of leadership position. But there are some things you can talk out for 20 years that in a moment of the anointing can just be broken off of your life. The anointing can make the difference. I want you to look at 1 John 2.20, and this is in the New King James Version. It says, but you have an anointing. You have an anointing. I'm going to say it to you again. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I want you to hear it in the King James Version. 
but you have an unction. It replaces the word anointing for unction from the Holy One. And that unction that you have received of him is that anointing. So the anointing gives you an unction. There's something behind it. There's something on it. There's something about the anointing that pushes you forward. It presses you. It gives you this knowing. It's this thing on the inside of you. It makes the difference upon your life. It quickens you. It causes you to have the ability to do something. It gives you a grace to walk through a hard season. It gives you the power that when the rest of the world would fall under the pressure of life circumstances that surround you, you don't fall. Why? Because you have an anointing on your life. And the anointing will cause you to stand when no one else can stand. I think I'm preaching to somebody who's been through something this morning. The anointing will cause you to last. The anointing will cause you not to be like those who are in the church and out of the church and of the world and not of the world. And they're here today and gone tomorrow. The anointing will keep you for a lifetime in the house of God. The anointing will cause you to stand before him and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. When the anointing is on your life, it makes the difference. It graces you to walk through seasons. Actually, the word anointing means to smear or to rub. I love that he said, take five quarts of oil. I think there's a symbolic message that when they would anoint, they would take five quarts of anointing oil and pour it over the person's head. This wasn't a little drop from heaven. This wasn't a little smear on the forehead. It wasn't a little ash cross. It, it, they took five quarts of oil and dumped that puppy right over that person's head. There was no mistaking that that man or woman was anointed. Psalms 133 actually says the Bible, uh, it says when Aaron was anointed, it flowed down past his beard onto his garments, onto his feet. He was drenched in the anointing. I think today the world needs a church that's drenched in the anointing. That we're not having church services. I said it time and time again. We can all find something better to do with our time. That we're not gathering to check off a box on our spiritual checklist and to feel better about ourselves and to say, well, I'm a Christian. No, no. We, we gather because we so crave and desire and need the anointing in our life. We need the manifested presence of God. I need to know how to get it. I need to know how to walk in it. I need to know that when I leave these church walls and go back into a world that the Bible says as the end days come closer, we'll grow darker and darker and darker and darker. I need to know how to stand in that darkness and not let my light be dimmed, but be a light unto all men. I need to know how to stand in those times. And I can only do it if I'm graced with an anointing. How do you pray and see results? Because of the anointing. How do you read the word of God when it's like, you know, you're reading words on a page and it doesn't make sense to you? How do you get revelation from the Bible? Because of the anointing. The anointing makes the difference. The world needs an anointed church. We don't need little mercy drops from heaven because we're not fighting smaller things. We get excited about the coming of the Lord, but the Bible says that the coming of the Lord, the world will grow more and more and more dark, more and more and more wicked. More and more, they will look at us and say, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. You're, you're doing it all wrong. You're living off of an, imaginate, an imaginary God. You're, you're, you're just, you know, they're just, it's going to be so opposite from 
who God's called us to be. And as that day approaches, we're going to be fighting bigger and bigger things that we've never fought before. The Bible talks about in the book of Joel that in the last days, I pour out my spirit on all flesh. So as the days grow darker, there's a stronger anointing that's coming. He wants us to be drenched in the anointing. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for, for prophets. It's for every single one of us. I love that he said, take these five spices and you're to crush them. Because can I submit to you today that anointing only comes from crushing? Anointing only comes from crushing. The anointing is only manifested in breaking. The anointing comes out when it's pounded and when it's been through something. Some of us don't walk in an anointing because we never get through anything. I'm going to submit this again. Because we never get through anything. How do you not get through it? It might be over, but you've never left it. So remember, the miracle of the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire wasn't just that there was a fourth man in the fire. It was the fact that they came out of the fire not smelling like smoke. I would have been happy to have all my clothes burned off and, and, not, and smelling like smoke, like a smokehouse for two years, as long as I came out alive. But that wasn't the miracle. God said, you're come out the other side of the fire without even the stench of smoke on your life. God didn't want you to walk through that abuse at all, but the fact that it happened in your life, he doesn't want you to have to stay there and live there year after year after year being just as broken as the day it happened. He wants to get an anointing on you, break that thing off of you, and have you standing on the other side of it saying, I don't know how I forgave that person. I don't know how I walk in forgiveness. I don't know. It's just because an anointing came on my life. I don't know how when I lost the business and I lost the money and I had not even a dollar to change that I still had a smile on my face. I'm preaching better than and you're shouting, but I can do it all by myself. But he wants to know that when you walk through those things, the anointing makes the difference. Come on, somebody. It's the crushing. It's the pressing. The pain that produces. i got to give you a quick testimony. I was debating whether or not to do it, but I'm going to do it. So... You know, we don't pastor a mega church by any means, so it's just funny. But sometimes, even when you lead small things, there are dumb people. And I'm talking about any of you. <laughs> but over the course of the last two years, every once in a while, somebody will send me or Sarah, one of our other pastors, an anonymous text message that has some negative things to say about us or the church. And, you know, it's just people being people. We move on from it. Who cares, right? But this past Sunday... Somebody didn't like my message on revival and wanted to let me know I shouldn't talk about revival because all I care about is our network. And I do care about that. Just make that clear. <laughs> and, you know, it was what it was. It's just like, let's move on beyond it. Obviously, if somebody doesn't have the guts to say it out loud or to your face. It shows what kind of person they are. But anyway, moving on beyond that. Saturday night, I was here at the church and working on the drop ceiling. And are you glad that we finally got that drop ceiling done in the lobby? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Paula got a praise on her. <laughs> 
Anyway, and I got an email from our network. No, this is a good, good email. Uh, from our network, and it tells us our average views for, you know, the last week. And I received that last text message this past Sunday. And since Sunday to Saturday, our average daily view of our live stream is around 3,000 people that watch our live stream on an average day. Sunday, when I received that text message, out of nowhere, that tripled, and our average viewership has been over 10,000 people a day, every day since that text message came through. Every day since last Sunday, I have received an email of someone giving their life to the Lord through the network around the world. So it's through the pressing, baby. All you're doing is stirring my anointing. Keep it coming. I'll take all that you can give because when you press, God presses down, shakes together, and running over. Come on, somebody. Do me a favor and press me a little bit because what's coming out is a greater anointing and a stronger anointing. And I'll run out every devil in hell that tries to stand against what God wants to do in this house. Come on, somebody. All right. So don't be dismayed. That's why the Bible said, count it all joy when they come against you. Count it all joy when they hate you and revile. You know what it's doing? It's stirring the anointing. It's pressing the anointing. Now when you pray, something different's going to happen. When you get with God, something different's coming out of you. It's like you are doing me a favor. You're blessing me and you don't even know it. You're giving favor on my life and you don't even know it. You're pressing me into a newer dimension and a higher level and you don't even know what you're doing. Come on, somebody. When you go through something, if you quit halfway and you don't hold on and you stop in the middle and you never come out the other side and you live in that brokenness and you live in that pain, you never experience the anointing that's waiting on the other side of you pressing through. Yeah. And when you get to the other side of you pressing through, God will use what you went through to set somebody else free. Yes. You can't bind. Bible says when you bound in, in, in uh, earth, it'll be bound in heaven. What you bind in heaven will be bound in earth. You can't bind what you're bound by. Just, come on, you have an addiction. You, can, you can't help somebody else get free when you're still addicted. Are you with me? But there's something different on somebody who's walked through it. And has come out the other side of it. They know the roadmap. There's an anointing on them to set other people free. So the trial is really blessing if you get through it. All things work together for the good of them. Even what the enemy brought against you for harm. If you get through it, if you just don't quit, if you keep pressing in, when you get to the other side of it, God will use it as the very platform that will promote you and set other people free. Other people's lives are depending on you pressing in. This is for somebody else in the house today because you felt like giving up. You thought the marriage could never be restored. You thought your mental health would never come back. You thought the financial problems would swallow you up. You thought the alcohol or drug addiction would always be a factor in your life. But I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Quit pressing in. God's not done. And the anointing that will be upon you in your latter days will be greater than it ever was in your former days. I, I don't know. I, I know when we step 
stepped into this year, God said, change the pulpit because I'm changing the anointing. And I don't think we've seen the full manifestation of it yet, but I like where it's going. Come on, somebody. So he said, bring the principal spices, the quality spices, the, the things that you've walked through, the, the, the trials, the burdens, the report of doctors, the, the, the report of psychologists, the report uh, you have an educator that told you you would always be dumb. Come on. The worst fear I ever had in school was in reading class. I was also bad at math, but I didn't really care about that because you could just be bad at math all by yourself. In reading class in my school, they would go around the room and everybody had to read. And man, I hated that with a passion. And sometimes it still makes me laugh that I have to stand up in front of people week after week and read out of this book that has some interesting words. So if you ever see me just skip words, it's not like, oh, they didn't put it on the projector. Oh, it wasn't pivotal to the story. No, I just skipped it because I probably didn't know how to pronounce it or read it. So <laughs> just FYI. But it's like God could take what was the biggest fear of my childhood and say, that's where your anointing lies. That's what I've called you to step up and do. Don't give up. The anointing makes the difference. When there's an anointing on you, it will bring out the best in you. The anointing will take the gifts and the abilities that you have. And some of them might even be lying dormant on the inside of you right now. And when the anointing gets on you, it brings out that gifting to its fullness. It's like I could preach, but when the anointing comes on, there's just something different. I told you last week, it's like, you know, sometimes you can hear a singer and it's just like fantastic and they can hit every note, but sometimes you can have somebody with a raspy voice that might go off key every once in a while, but when the anointing hits them, it can make a grown man stand and weep in the presence of God. Why? Because it's the anointing. It makes the difference. The anointing will go beyond the melody, beyond the song, beyond the lyrics, and reach down into the heart and soul of a person. And the Bible says it can take that hardened heart and begin to squeeze it and make it soft and pliable again. The anointing has the ability to take those hard things and make them soft and pliable again. The anointing makes the difference. When the anointing is on the gift, it brings out the best of the gift. You might be a wonderful parent, but when you parent in the anointing, you know how do you get it? You wake up every day and say, Father, I can't do this without you. I need you today. Lead me, guide me. What you say do, I'll do. What you say stop, I'll stop. Give me your anointing. I can't function without it. I might be a telemarketer. But God, I can't take these calls one more time unless I have your anointing. Why? You might actually get more sales because there's something on your voice that when the person you're calling in the middle of dinner in the evening at the most inopportune time answers the phone, instead of running the other direction, the anointing on your voice just quickens something on the inside of them that gives you favor. Amen. All right, I don't have time to, to go there. Whatever your gifting is, it needs the anointing. And the anointing has to be fresh. This is very important. The anointing has to be fresh. Psalms 92.10 says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I have an unction or a feeling that there's a lot of people in the church today 
who are stale in their anointing. I get there. I'm like, God, I just, I need something new. I need something fresh. I need that vitality back. I can feel myself just going through the motions. I can feel myself just relying on my own gifting or relying. I can get through this because I'm skilled to get through it. I can do this on my own ability. I need something fresh that's beyond me. And we can become stale in what God wants to do in our lives. And it's an old anointing because it's what we got back there somewhere. But you know, an anointing that was poured out for back there isn't suitable for what's happening up here. That was to get you through that season. You need something to get through this season. I remember walking through one of the hardest, and I'll still say seasons of my life, and I will never forget sitting in my bathtub. And you know, when God speaks to you, you just know, and I can still count five times in my life, the Lord spoke to me, not in an audible voice, but in a voice I knew clearly it was him. And going through one of the hardest seasons, and I will never forget reading when, when uh, Moses brought the Israelites out, and I had preached the Israelites. I still preach. The, that's one of my favorite stories. So I knew the story. But there's a little line that I had never seen ever. God told Moses, move forward. Go forward. He's crying out to God because there's mountains on either side, a Red Sea in front of them, and Pharaoh's army pursuing them. And God said, move, told Moses to go forward. And you know what the Lord spoke to me in that moment? He said, go forward and I'll take care of the enemy that's pursuing you. I didn't have a guarantee of how it would all work out. I didn't have a guarantee of how it would look at the end. But what I had is I had a fresh anointed word for a specific season, which carried me through a very difficult season of life. That I don't know how people get through a season without a fresh word. Come on, somebody. So when stuff hits your life, man, you got to get in this word. You got to say, God, I need a fresh anointing. It has to, it has to pull me through. Actually, the Bible talks about when you have old oil, flies are attracted to old oil. Don't stay in a movement of yesterday. Sometimes, you know, especially in the charismatic church, you get the old timers. I like how it used to be. Oh, the glory. Oh, we'd fall down everywhere. Amen. Good in 1978, because that's what God was doing. But I don't want to fall down in 2023 if that ain't what God's doing. I'm not saying that he doesn't do that. Hear my, hear my heart on that. But what I won't do is I won't take an image of a moment of what God was doing in the earth and say, this is the fullness of it. I got to stand in 2023 and say, God, what are you doing in the earth right now? What's happening right now? If you look at the revivals that are breaking out right now, they have... Very little music. They have very little preaching. It's just people hungry for God. Yes. We've never seen nothing like that. 1978, you had to have the banners, had to have the maroon curtain because you weren't a Holy Ghost filled church unless you had the maroon curtain behind the pastor. Come on, somebody. I don't know, I say that in jest, but we get stuck. I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to leave this earth standing on the side of, well, it was good. Don't you remember back then? I want to leave this earth running as fast as I can into the now of what God's doing. 
I want to be one of those who are on the cutting edge of what God's doing. And if it causes me to be uncomfortable, then so be it. I don't ever want to be stagnant. I don't want old oil. I don't want fly oil. Where there's anointing, it changes the atmosphere. The Bible talks about a woman who came with an alabaster box and she took her her oil and she broke it at the feet of Jesus and that oil filled the atmosphere of where he was. And I'm not talking necessarily about a physical smell, but the Bible even says our worship rises to heaven as a sweet smelling fragrance before God. The anointing has a fragrance. You might think I'm weird in this, but I sometimes believe that the anointing actually does have a tangible physical smell. And I know you think that's weird, but I believe it. Because when I was coming up, whenever service would get really anointed, there was just this smell. It was, I can't describe it. And we got to get better because I haven't smelled it in a long time. (laughs) But, you know, it's one of those things you don't really pay attention to. And actually, before we moved to this building, it's at the other, our old facility, and Church was over. Everyone was dismissed. We had actually gone to lunch. I had forgotten something in the building. And uh, so Sarah and I drove back to the church, and I ran in to get something. And the second my foot stepped into the sanctuary, uh, the smell of a brick wall hit me. And instantly I was transported back to those moments as a kid in the presence of God. And I couldn't stop smelling it. And I'm like, I know that smell. And it wasn't that, you know, sister and -and so-and-so just wore too much perfume today. It was... (laughs) specific. It was unique. You know how a smell can, they say smell is one of your strongest senses. It can transport you. It would, I knew what it was and I'm just walking through and I'm like, yep, we had church. We had church today because the, the aroma still filled the room. You might think that's so weird, but I remember my mama was a praying woman. And I remember as a kid, no matter what, my mama's room had a smell. And I'm not, you know, she's probably like, what are you saying? Not a bad. It had that presence of God aroma to it. Somebody, come on. It's like, regardless of what you're going through as a kid, just get in mama's bed. So there actually is a physical smell. Actually, Psalm 72, 6 says, he shall come down as rain on fresh uh, come down as fresh on fresh cut grass. When he comes down, you can smell. The Bible talks about there's a balm of Gilead. There's a rose of Sharon. These, these senses, if you will, that God talks about in scripture. There's a sweetness to it. What if we just worshiped until he came? What if we just waited until God showed up? Because we decided that it's not about a church production or a service playlist, but that we were so hungry that we decided we couldn't leave the room. Like Moses, when God appeared to him in a burning bush, like if the burning bush started talking to me, that would have been all that I needed. Okay, I'll go. But Moses is like, well, God, I got a speech prop. Like he's really, but you know the wisdom that Moses had? He said, God, I won't go. Unless you don't go with me. Like, again, the burning bush would have been, I'm out, fine. But he so knew the importance of the anointing being on his life and his going that he said, I won't leave unless it's on me. 
I just want to encourage you this week, and this might sound weird to you, but come on, the world's pretty weird and crazy. So let's just be our weird and crazy for God, all right? What if before you got in your car with your kids and started driving away, you just said, hey, guys, just take a minute. Father, we ask you to fill this car, fill this van. Let your presence be known. We thank you that angels are surrounding us. We thank you that we don't go anywhere where your hedge of protection isn't. I wonder how it would be different for us if before we ate, instead of scarfing down a meal in front of a television program and in the busyness of life, we just sat at the dinner table and said, before we dive in, it's just Paul's. Holy Spirit, fill this house. Encourage us. Strengthen us. Not just saying a quick prayer to say, well, yeah, we bless the food and move it on. But being present. Because I can't go if he doesn't go. It's too risky. It's too costly. Moses got so anointed. The Bible says he actually had to put a veil over his face because he was shining with the glory of God. Stephen got so anointed preaching in the New Testament. The Bible says when he stood to preach, they couldn't resist the spirit by which he spoke because his face was lit up like an angel. I think we got to get lit again in the church. You know, as I was preparing this sermon and I wrote that little line, which I thought was massively clever. Thanks. You know, I thought to myself in the world, you know, when you in the world would say, you know, I've had a bad day, I've had a bad week. I need to go let off some steam. Got to go to the club, got to go to the bar. Typically, you make preparation, get your hair done right, the right clothes on. Drink a lot of water in advance because you know you're going to drink a lot of alcohol and you're trying to avoid the hang. Like you're thinking in advance. You've got preparation. Preparation for that brief moment of time when you lose your natural mind. It's literally what happens. You lose your natural mind through alcohol so that you can experience a brief moment of pleasure before waking up the next day regretting everything that happened the night before. And that's totally cool to the world. That's fine. This is what we do. It's how we let off steam. But the church says, just take a moment and pray. Just get alone with God. Just don't go anywhere without asking God to go with you. He already is, but it's just about acknowledging that you're with me in this thing. Come on, somebody. I'm going to live my kind of weird. When you have the anointing, you're not fighting battles in your own strength. Because the anointing makes the difference on your prayers. The anointing makes the difference on your praise, on your spirit, on your house. The anointing makes the difference. Team, you can come.
It's a familiar story to many of us, and it's in 1 Samuel 16, but the prophet Samuel was told by God, Saul disobeyed God, and he was king of Israel, and God said, all right, I need you to go anoint a new king. I want you to go down to Jesse's house and anoint one of his sons. Many of you know the story, but he gets there, and there's one son who kind of stands out, and Samuel says, oh, he, he's probably the one. He's tall. He's attractive. He, he has what Israel would be looking for, and goes to pour the anointing oil, the, the five quarts of anointing oil over him, and the Holy Spirit says to Samuel, nope, that's not it. Oh, okay, I was pretty sure that that tall guy was the one. And goes down the row and no, 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 no. You know, last week I said something, and I hope you caught it, but the world likes to say, well, we should all be inclusive. That sounds good. But you know the gospel is exclusive. Because God said to Samuel, I don't look at the outward appearance of man. I look at the heart. So God looked at the heart of every single one of those brothers and said, You're, you can't carry it. You can't take this. You, you, you don't have this. This isn't for you. And so when he went through all the brothers, he said to the father, Jesse, he said, do you have another son? And Jesse said, yeah, I got this puny little boy who's on the backside of the hill taking care of some sheep and he's kind of a little strange all he ever does out there is play his little harp and write songs like you know psalms 23 you know little weird songs like that but i guess you can see him and when david walks in god looked at the heart and said yeah because while you've been on the backside of the desert while you've been in the backfield rejected by everybody else I've been stirring the anointing in you I've been conditioning you for what you're really designed and destined for not just to be a strong strapping son of Jesse that the world would look on and say yeah you're a success no it was exclusive you could only get it if your heart was right and when Samuel stood over David and he poured those five quarts of anointing oil, it changed his life forever. He went through hard times, but the anointing made the difference. When he stood in front of Goliath and all of his big strapping strong brothers were hiding in fear from big old Goliath brawny little shepherd boy steps up because when you have the anointing it makes the difference he says I'll take him I'll fight him and Saul said great we don't have anybody else take my armor David said I don't need any of that I have the anointing on me and I'll use what I'm gifted at naturally to accomplish the will of God in my life because the anointing will be enough to make the difference I need to pause right there for a second because we've been trying to look at everybody else's gifting and say, if only I could be like them. If only I had what they had. If, if only we could, you know, act like they act or talk like they talk or sing like they sing or if I had this gifting or that personality or all these other things that then we'd be successful. But David said, I don't need Saul's armor. 
I need the anointing on what I'm already gifted at. Because the anointing on what I am will make the difference, not the anointing on what I'm faking to be. David had his battles, he had his hard times. But from that day forward of receiving the anointing, he never fought alone. He never fought alone. I'd rather have the anointing on a little than a whole lot without the anointing. They can't stop you when you're anointed. They can't block you when you're anointed. So I want us to stand to our feet. You don't have to leave here in your own strength. You can receive the anointing on your life. The Bible says you can receive it several ways. But one of the primary ways you receive the anointing, the Bible says, is by the laying on of hands. We stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of us. So I want us to do something this morning, and I just want to give you permission if you have to go, go ahead and go. I'm going to make a quick announcement here, guys, just so we don't have to worry about this. If you want to give, scan the barcode, text where you got to text, if there's giving things in the back, whatever you got to do there. I want to tell you, we want to give you an opportunity to give above your ties into the church recently. Uh, this week, purchased a trailer in faith because we need to, to haul the food that we're buying for the food pantry. We need to get it here somehow. So we stepped out in faith that God will provide and bought it when it wasn't budgeted to buy. Don't tell the board. <laughs> and uh, so we want to give you an opportunity to give into that. If you want to sow into that, you can just mark outreach on your giving and that will cover the cost of that. Uh, I think that was $1,700 we purchased that for. And, uh, so if you want to give towards that, go ahead and uh, do all of that other stuff. I don't think there's any other announcements. So if you need to go, I want to give you permission to go. But I want to ask some of our prayer team and our pastors have this oil up here it's not the bible kind we actually i hide this side because we just ripped off the thing of olive oil it's it's olive oil i don't know when the expiration date was so i wouldn't suggest drinking it so there's no magic in this but there's something supernatural when you take a step outside of your comfort zone to receive something you've never had before. And you can leave here today and say, that's good, but I don't want to get any of that weird stuff. That's all right. But I think there's some people in the house today who need to leave here knowing, and this is symbolic, it's all it is. And we're not going to dump five quarts on you. It's going to do a little dab, a little dab on your forehead. But that when you walk out of these doors today, you know that you're different, that you're marked that you stink the best stink you could ever have and the Bible says that actually the anointing the aroma of the anointing attracts the favor of God I didn't get a chance to preach all that yet the anointing attracts the blessing of God come on when you have the anointing stuff just happens for you I don't, I don't know why it happens for you. Do you ever get irritated with those people? 
Like just stuff's happening, but they need it and it just shows up and you're like, come on. Because the anointing is on their life and they're relying on the anointing to bring about in their life what they don't have the physical ability to do. The anointing makes the difference. So the anointing will cause stuff to happen in your life, breakthroughs. And it'll cause you to remember that you never fight alone. When you walk in with the aroma of the anointing on your life, every devil in hell flees seven ways in front of you. Ain't no demonic thing living in your house. You got the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. And when they see you coming up the driveway, they run screaming because the fragrance of the anointing's all over you. Come on, the enemy plotted. I, I gotta say this. I know we gotta go. But Jesus, after he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, the anointing came upon him. The Bible says he stood up in the temple and he read the Holy Spirit of the Lord's upon me. And he said that I'm the Messiah, I've come. And those, the religious people got so mad at him, they took him out to the battle of the hill and they were getting ready to throw him off. The Bible says they took him, they went one, two, and they turned around and he was gone. And the Bible says that in the midst of the crowd, all eyes were on Jesus. He was the one they were getting ready to throw off the hill. But the Bible says he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Because when the anointing's on your life, when it's not your time, come on somebody. The enemy has said to you that he's going to take you out. This disease is going to kill you. This infirmity is going to break you. Your adversary is going to take you down. But when the anointing is on your life, you just pass through the midst of the plan of the enemy. It's like, I don't know how they got out of it, but they got out of it. They're not supposed to be here. They're supposed to be gone. They're supposed to be dead. They're supposed to be at the bottom of the hill. But here they are, because when the anointing is on your life, it makes the difference, church. So you walk out of here today knowing that when the enemy's plans get sprung, I'm not getting up. Come on. Whatever his trap was, when it gets sprung, I'm not getting up. I'll pass through the midst of them. I'll pass through the midst of poverty and defeat and disease and mental issues. Because the anointing's on my life. So what I want us to do is if you got to go, you got to go. And if some of our team could come because I can't do everybody alone. But all we want you to do is just make your way to the front. And we just want to pray for you, elders, if you could come and help. We want to lay our hands and anoint you with oil. And it's quick, and it won't be long. But just something that you know when you walk out of here today. You are changed. You are marked. The anointing and the power of God is forever on your life. Team, you can sing, and guys, just dip your finger in and My faithful, by calling Make your way to the front. We're going to go ahead and start praying for people. Go ahead.